<laughs> and alga is the hard one, mm -hmm. but uh, you just uh, do the a l al algia. <laughs> you know, when you were saying that, it made me think of Martin Luther King's Let Freedom Reign Over Our Land. <laughs> yeah. Well, our ancestors probably said those words that Martin Luther King said. Mm -hmm. Because um, we, we have a big problem, maybe more so than they do, because they're doing very well now. Um, but uh, on our lands, hey. But <laughs> we, we are still in the uh, the closet. Hey. <laughs> While there are some in the closet, are We're you? You're listening to the Arts Report, and our theme song isn't coming through the monitors, um, so there's maybe a technical problem, but that's okay. We don't have our song today. You've got to just be flexible. That's my new motto. 
Um, so we have a great show planned. And if I can figure out what happened to um, the song, maybe I'll play it later. But I've got two wonderful people in the studio with me. Danielle Piper is here, hi, to talk about um, an event. And we'll be talking about the Talking Stick Festival. I went to see the little drum, the drummer girl, not the little drummer girl, last night at the Fire Hall Art Center, and it's Black History Month, so I've got a few things to talk about for that. And we also have a vol- new volunteer in the studio, so we'll be introducing her and finding out more about her um, later on in the show. So, Danielle, what's going on with you? Well, I'm going to see Grace Symmetry which is a collaboration between Ballet BC and the Turning Point Ensemble. And they're having their show uh, tomorrow, their opening night at 8 at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. And I'm just going to go watch and enjoy. But prior to that, I had an interview with their conductor slash composer, Owen Underhill. Great. And so why don't we just jump right into it? I was sort of reading up a tiny bit about him. He's very prestigious. Oh, yeah, definitely. So so you can tell us more about that after. So here's your lovely interview with Owen going to take me a second to bring it up here. Okay, here we go. Owen Underhill, Ballet BC, Grace Symmetry. Ballet BC and the Turning Point Ensemble reunite in an exciting collaboration of live music and dance. Composer and conductor Owen Underhill is here with us today to talk more about his work on Grace Symmetry. Hi, Owen. How are you? So tell us a bit about yourself and your role as a a conductor for Grace Symmetry. Well, uh, in Grace Symmetry, uh, Turning Point Ensemble is playing live music with uh, the Ballet BC Company. It's always a great thing to do that. So what I'm doing is I'm conducting two pieces. One is by myself, and uh, that one we have the whole ensemble on stage, way up stage, and I'm, I'm actually looking out at the audience the dancers are in front of me, so I'm doing quite a bit of coordinating uh, my music with the with the dance. The other work is uh, that I'm conducting is written by composer John King from New York City. So I'm in the pit. Our whole ensemble of, of 16 musicians is in the pit, and we are. Um, I'm sort of more loosely timing. I'm looking on the stage and timing the music with the dance. Good. So. How did you prepare yourself for such a big project? When did you start working on it? And how would you describe the collaboration process with the other producers, the choreographer, etc.? Well, we've been working on the project for over a year now. So it kind of started with uh, working with the artistic director of Ballet BC, Emily Molnar, and uh, trying to match uh, choreographers that she wanted to work with with music and other composers so my role in that was often to communicate with composers and try and find um, music that would work for them Uh, in the case of one of the works um, there's a new it's an entirely new piece so um uh, then I was working with the composer and uh, John King, and he was asking about the ensemble, and he wrote for our whole ensemble. So it's, it's a bit of a process, and uh, you know, we bring the composer out, and we play his music for them, and then we get into rehearsal with the dance. And at that point, you're sort of learning the learning the cues, finding out exactly what tempo for the music will work, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I also see you've had a wide range of jobs so far in the span of your career. In fact, you've written for diverse combinations, including orchestra, voice, and choir. Do you think it's important to have a multifaceted career like this, or just do you prefer to always be doing something different? Well, uh, I've always preferred to be both a composer and conductor. Um, and um, that is, you know, it, it's just um, gives... I feel involved as an artist when I'm conducting other people's music as well, and, and I suppose just being a composer perhaps is is a little bit um, uh, isolating for me, but that being said, I really love being a composer, and I love working with as many different combinations as possible, and as a composer, I really... Um, 
uh, like writing for dance or, or theater or other mediums. In this case, on the Great Symmetry Show, the choreographer Wen Wei Wang chose a piece of music of mine that had already been written as a concert piece. Mm. And so it's, it's been really wonderful to see how he adds and layers dance on top of a piece of music that was actually written as uh, just uh, as music in the first instance. Mm-hmm. So what was the most enjoyable and the most challenging part of composing or connecting for Grace Symmetry? Uh, well, I mean, the piece by John King is just full of energy. So actually, it's, it's about a tw- almost a 25-minute piece, and it's, it's full of cues. I'm making cues all along. I'm following a kind of stop clock uh, because the whole first section I can do in many different ways, but it has to be eight minutes long. Uh, and it's uh, as it gets going, it gets quite fast, and it's almost like running. So it actually takes a fair amount of endurance to do uh, the music, and you know, with a lot of cues going on. So it keeps me very busy. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think the audience will love and appreciate most about Great Symmetry? And what would you like the audience to take away at the end of the show? Well, there, there are actually three stunning pieces, and they're very, very different. And, and there's uh, so I think that um, what the audience will see is, uh, first of all, they're a fantastic company that specializes in contemporary work, ballet, BC, and and also the live music and dance has a has a real. It's very different than just dancing to recorded music. So it, it, the show is very um, alive. Uh, the dancers are very alive, the musicians are very alive and working with each other. But what they're going to see is just three, um, three fantastic different pieces, different conceptions of dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So finally, give us one word that immediately comes to mind when you say grace symmetry. Uh, I would say uh, electrifying. Electrifying. <laughs> well, you could give us more words, five words, if you'd like. Well, uh, one uh, work is, is extremely poetic and intense. Uh, another work is, is full of energy. Another work is full of humor. So, so you'll get a lot of different things out of it. Okay, that's great. All right, thanks, Owen. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. Hi, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. That was Danielle Piper's interview with Owen Underhill. Yay! Yay. (laughs) It was a great interview. Sorry about the levels. I've gone through that myself for years, (laughs) struggling with levels for sure. So tell us about the event. So Grace Symmetry, um, from what I understand, seems to be a celebration of dance. Um, It's... Dancers conveying music and emotion through moving their bodies. And it's for some of the dancers, it's the first time they'll actually have live music on stage or dancing to live music. So they're, they're also trying to work with one another to make sure that they're always in time, that they're always expressing the feeling and emotion, that when the music changes, stuff like that. And I'm just really excited to go see it tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what time does it start? 8 p.m. Excellent. So just a reminder, it's Grace Symmetry, an evening in collaboration with the Turning Point Ensemble. Only runs for two nights, so you're going opening night? Well, it runs for three nights, so 20th, uh, oh, 21st, and 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the 20th to the 22nd, I'm like, two nights? <laughs> um, that's okay, three nights, so there's some, as he said, great new uh, musical works. Mm-hmm. And they've got a lot coming up as well um, in the season. So I wanted to share that with you, Ballet BC. They're a very successful organization. Um, So their repertoire and performance schedule for the 2014-2015 season um, has got November 29th, a triple bill uh, by Spanish choreographer, um, a new premiere of a new work called An Instant... And another one, Aura. Then in March of 2015, um, a Canadian premiere called Trace. And then they have the Miami Ballet here later to present works of Balanchine. So I'm looking forward to that. 
um, maybe we'll get to go to something together. Yay, let's do it. Yeah, have you been to ballet before? Um, Well, I did ballet from ages 3 to 18, but I haven't seen one in Vancouver, so I'm excited. Oh, cool. Yeah. What's the, where you've seen them outside of Vancouver? I've seen, uh, well, I always, well, my dad always used to take me to um, National Dance Theatre Company in Jamaica um, for their shows every summer, which is a mixture of maybe modern contemporary and ballet. Oh, right on. That's great. I can't remember seeing like a kind of real ballet Yeah. I don't think I've ever do- seen an actual ballet. I, I I mean, we did some back at my old studio or academy, but we were young and not as experienced yeah. as I'm sure as ballet BC. Like a lot of girls, I started ballet, but mm-hmm. I didn't last very long. Like <laughs> we had our first, I think I did it for a few months and then it was a recital and I was really excited. I was like point shoes and tutus. And then I was like, no, I was a duck. They made me be a duck. <laughs> I was a zebra and a tiger once. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm done with this. I, I, you know, so I didn't stick with it. But um, the Vancouver International Dance Festival is coming up um, in March, and it's three weeks long. So um, hopefully maybe you want to do something on that, Danielle. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, there's lots of great stuff coming up at the International, uh, Vancouver International Dance Festival. So Owen Underhill, tell us about him. He is Vancouver's prestigious composer slash conductor. He's won many awards, um, most notably the Western Canadian Music Outstanding Composition Award in 2007, um, first prize in the Marie Canadian Competition in 1994, and was nominated for a Juno in, um, I can't find the year, but it was for Love Songs, his composition Love Songs. I think he won like the Order of Canada or something. Uh, I thought I saw that on the internet today. Uh, I'm gonna look and see. It was like a it it was like a big award. Mm-hmm. Oh, the royal so- recipient of the no, yeah, recipient of the Order of Canada, Ooh. Uh, Division of Humanities. Let's see, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a a pretty big deal. It is a huge deal. I can't actually find him on here, but I'm pretty sure you saw it. Oh, there he is. Um, Professor of Contemporary Arts at Simon Fraser University, respected yeah. Canadian composer-conductor, mm-hmm. educational musical mentor, and mm-hmm. cultural animator. Composed over 70 works and yeah. conducted 175 premier performances. He has earned the title Canadian Music Ambassador. Wow, Ooh. and you talked to him. That's a big deal. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and he was nice. You could tell he'd done a lot of media. Oh, definitely. Because he, he could really talk and he knew... Not he, to stop and and stuff. He was an expert, definitely. Yeah, so that, that'll be great to see him. So why don't we play something of his? Sure. This one is called By Backward Steps, um, and it's by Vancouver New Music. So there's some nice performed live at the Orpheum Annex on November 17th, 2013. Some harp coming in. Owen Underhill, composer-conductor. We'll be right back.
want to sing something, Adam? No. Oh, oh no, 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 no. It's okay. Adam, Adam, come on. Stupid. Oh, no, we're going to get it. We'll dry He's you off. very dumb. Stupid. Right, let's go to the bathroom. Oh. As part of CITR's 2014 Fun Drive, we are hosting a karaoke night in the gallery lounge of UBC's sub. The event will take place on Wednesday, the 26th, the day before Fun Drive Week kicks off. Come by for some tasty, confidence-inducing beverages and sing, for better or worse, your favorite karaoke jams. Admittance is free with songs being sung by donation. All donations will contribute to Fun Drive and helping support the station you love. Again, that's Wednesday evening on February 26th in the Gallery Lounge. From July 8th through 12th, 2014, UBC's Vancouver campus plays host to the Special Olympics Canada 2014 Summer Games. The Games are an exhilarating and moving event for athletes with intellectual disabilities and their families. The organizing committee for the 2014 Games is looking for volunteers. To ensure that members of the university community have the chance to participate, UBC has secured a limited number of volunteer spots for students, staff, and faculty. Visit the UBC website for the 2014 Games to learn more, vancouver2014.ubc.ca. Hi, we're back on CITR. I got my song working, so I had to play it because I didn't feel satisfied until I had played it. So, there. We've got a volunteer in the studio. Her name is Arlene Bowman, and I recognized her name when she said it to me because she's an artist, and so I'm excited to hear her tell us about herself, and I'm just going to fade that out there. Hi, Arlene. Hello. How how are you? All right, not bad. So how did you come to volunteer at CITR? Well, actually, um, it was part of that arts humanities writing portion, and then gave us be a student could be a student for a student UBC student for a year and then can use library privileges and 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 I've heard that some of the people if they want to come part of like CITR 1019 FM could do that and (laughs) so I I'm curious about it and um it could be creative I know it could be creative so that's why I'm here. Yeah, so you're just sitting in to observe mm. how the show works. Yeah, and because I took also those tech workshops, three of them, about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, um, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. So, um, and I need to practice more on the console. And so that's what I'm just doing. I want to observe more and... That's what I'm doing here today. Thanks. That's great. Well, it's an honor to have you. And we do have good training here um, and new equipment. And we're going to be moving into our fun drive season. And I will be talking a lot about why you should support CITR. I know you want to. And through the power of suggestion, I'll be asking you to donate money to our cause. Um, But uh, tell us about your work in your life, Arlene. Okay. First of all, well, you did. You said you heard about me. How could it just, just, you just, just kinda, your you know. name is okay. familiar to me. Okay. Well, okay. I am Dene. Um, Dene is um, Navajo, and I'm from Arizona. And the Dene people come, the the reserve reservation in Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. So their language, though, is Athabascan. And they're related to, the, because there's some First Nations up here in B.C., and there's some others in Alaska, Yukon, and northern Alberta. And so that language is similar. It's the, di- the dialects are different, and the environment is different. And in fact, I wanted to make a video about it, mm-hmm. and about the Dene in Canada and Dene in um in the United States, but more from Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. Um, so, but based more focused on the language part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's similarities in the language? It's the same language. Oh, okay. That's what it is, Athabascan okay. language. I've never heard of that in terms of Canada, Athabascan. Like, I don't know the different dialects here we have so many or we had so many at one time but um that's familiar to you yeah that's why the show that precedes us snow out is so good because 
They talk in their language at times, and there's a website, a few websites that um, try to keep the different dialects alive, which is great. Yeah. yeah. So I love also turquoise, and that's a part of Arizona and New Mexico as well, and the traditional jewelry that people make. Yep. The Dene people are silversmiths, and, and there are other um, people too, like the Hopi people and Zuni. And as long as I can remember, are really good silversmiths there. And it was it was learned from Mexican people long ago. And um, so you, you can go and people create their own silver. I mean, yeah, the silversmithing and then their own creations. And I've just seen it a lot growing up. And I noticed it's, you see that in Tibet, or was it in, in somewhere over there in Nepal? That's, that's kind of interesting mm-hmm. seeing that. There's, from what I know about turquoise, it's only found in a few places. So Arizona, the most valuable mm-hmm. comes from Arizona, small pockets. And then there's some pockets in Tibet and China and Persia. But it's very, it's increasingly very, very expensive. I've seen stuff online. It's like a dime size piece is like $800. And so, yeah, it's. Yeah, so I read a lot about that. So what kind of work have you done in your creative work? Well, I'm a filmmaker, and mm-hmm. I could list them. I haven't made a lot of films like or videos like Steven Spielberg or any of those mainstream film video makers, but I'm, I'll am i name them. Okay, Navajo Talking Picture was the first one. That was made at UCLA, my thesis film at UCLA Film School. Then the next is... Uh, Song Journey, and then Women and Men Are Good Dancers. And then came next is Graffiti, that was made in Canada through the Canada Council, funded. And then short one, oh yeah, and then another Illegal Anger, a short video. And then uh, Locked Doors, which came from a current, it was closed in January, just January, um, Nothing About Us Without Us, that. And I was kind, I was reciting a poem song I made up five minutes so that's what I've done and other little video poems short ones here and there I can't remember what they are wow but, uh, those are the main ones though wow that's a lot that's fantastic did I say song journey I don't know if I, did. I think yeah. so yeah I was like mm-hmm. listening to Snow Whale on the way in the car they were talking he was talking about everything has a story so when you make something whether it's a basket or whether it's a film or you start with the story and you, you know, obviously films are about stories. So what's an example of a story that you've kind of made into a film? I'll use the, choose the song journey that was about native women singers who sing in a traditional and non-traditional way of the powwow songs and singers and Traditionally, it well this the powwow singing comes from plains culture, such as Lakota or Cree. Those are just a few examples of the First Nations. So, but I focus on the women who sing in this non-traditional way, such as um, sometimes the women mix with the men at the drum and sing together, men and women. And then sometimes there's all women sing, drum groups, so they sing together. But sometimes it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a, well, it's not kind of, it's not traditionally accepted. Usually women stand behind the men and sing. That's just the way it is. Um, but I wanted to find that out and, and meet women who sang, you know, mixed when in, women and men and all gr- women. Yeah. So it was an hour called Song Journey. And it was made through the ITBS in the United States and showed in a few places, the main places. It didn't get a national airing, but the states states that had, um, where there was a large native population, like Los Angeles, California, I mean Southern California, and North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Arizona, New Mexico. I'm trying to think of others, but I can't think of others. So something like that. Those were the states that I heard of so far. Um, so, but I was happy that it did get a airing. Yeah. And so mm. you talked about being attracted to BC partially because the language was yeah. similar. And um, 
what else brought you to Canada? Well, I thought it could be a, a better life. In, and it it is on one hand. Yes, it is. And like I said, I was able, able to make the graffiti, the video. It's my first drama. So I made that, 30 minutes. And I was had to, you know, do a ca- uh, casting call and found actors through cold readings like that. And I never did that before, but I've done, uh, I've been an actor myself, and so I know what a cold reading is. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was, to put one together, that was another thing. So I learned a lot yeah. about it. And to put the whole thing together. And I already know how to edit, so learned how to edit digital um, through Final Cut Pro, mm-hmm. the, um, video, digital video, and audio recording and all that. So I I was a videographer in graffiti. So and I have a background in still photography. So those are the two main things I can do. Um, but I really come from an all round art background. Yeah. So did you do art school mm-hmm. in LA? Is that what you said? Or We're mostly? Yeah, I did art school, and it was well, it was even before that too. But um, still photography was an undergraduate at San Francisco Art Institute. And and I got my BFA there in still photography, and I really liked going to school there. It was in the early nineties. I mean, early seventies. Sorry, early seventies. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was a very interesting time. Those times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco in the early seventies for yeah. sure. Wow, you've done a lot. That's incredible. Yeah, just try. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you've got to try. Well, we're, um, that sort of ties in with the Talking Stick Festival, which is going on uh, starting, well, at the opening, the gala opening was last night, mm-hmm. and there were three events that, um, I lost them, but um, there's... A whole bunch of events. Some of them are dance. Some of them are traditional dance. Some of them are contemporary dance. Some films. I don't know if you're familiar with this film. First film, New Voices. Mm-hmm. Three nights of film and talk back. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of the brightest minds coming out of the indigenous independent digital filmmaking. Is that what you were talking about? Or no, that you were talking about something in the States. Uh, so conversations with filmmakers. Um, in Spirit is a play um, and talking about sort of uh, womanhood um, and a moving tale of a murdered girl who relives her last hours on earth using expressive imagery to paint a consciousness that moves from innocence to experience. There's a few events that talk about um, missing women and the women that have been lost to violence. Um, so this one looks really good. Celebration of powwow culture this February 23rd. So there's tons going on. I, I've, um, just didn't act in time to get to any of these events. Um, as we're, um, we're not broadcasting the arts report next week, but one of the big events that's happening is a tribe called red. They're from Ottawa. They're like a dance, um, like a dubstep dance thing Mm -hmm. i'm trying to find there what kind of dance it's it's i'm gonna play it i'm gonna play it um they're playing at the commodore and they say to get tickets now a tribe called red and this one is really good. So they, they've actually gotten quite famous on the internationally because people really love what they've done. You'll hear they mix sort of like hip hop kind of beats with traditional Aboriginal music. So I'm just going to play it. Um, and then we'll come back and sort of wrap up talking about, uh, the talking stick festival. So I feel so happy to have a surprise guest. And then it turned out to be you with all this interesting life story and uh, knowledge to share. So this is called A Tribe Called Red Electric Powwow Drum.
We're back on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm here with Arlene Bowman, and that was A Tribe Called Red Electric Powwow Drum. How awesome is that? They are going to be at the Commodore Ballroom February 22nd at 8 p.m. It will sell out, so get your tickets now. Um, it's part of Coast, Salish Coast Live, um, which is sort of putting sponsoring the event, and there's quite a few other acts, but they are a huge international act. A Tribe Called Red. So definitely check that out. And do go to fullcircle.ca to find out what's happening um, at the Talking Stick Festival. It's going to be a really good festival. And also I just wanted to mention the Bill Reed Gallery because I've been meaning to go there forever. They house the collection of uh, Bill Reed's work um, and they also do a lot of contemporary exhibitions and this one looks really interesting and obviously it's interesting to others because they've extended it uh, until April 20th which gives me a chance to go see it. It's been on since September and it's called Res Erect Native Erotica. So it's a fresh playful provocative insight into sensuality and sexuality. Um, and it features t- uh, works by 27 mid-career and internationally recognized First Nations artists from the Northwest Coast and Central Canada. So it's curated by Gwai Eden Shaw, and Eden Shaw is the family name of, of famous artists, Haida artists. And there's quite a few people, Sean Hunt, and Hunt is another name other Haida artists that are prestigious uh, the musician Kenny Starr is in there so the the work here is like a big glass kind of phallus with designs on it so it's really good and there's also an event that you might want to check out on the weekend there's an artist Dion Paul um, she's working on her master's degree at Emily Carr University. She's a Coast Salish and Northwest Coast artist from the Nuuksalk Nation and Seashelt Nation. Um, so as part of the exhibition Resurrect, Native Erotica, she's made a cape. It looks like a button cape, and they're draping it on a nude model. And if you want, you can go down and draw the model wearing the cape. Um, so that looks like a very cool thing to do if you like drawing you you can people can do that yeah the model yeah i think it costs 25 dollars, oh. and you have to bring your own art supplies but okay. then you can go and draw the model wearing her cape um so i've seen that once i went to an event at the queer arts festival and they had a nude model and she was like very amazing and then people were standing around with their pads and sketching so yeah um that might be worth checking out and the um i'm going to go see that show and i'll fill you in on how it is so i wanted to talk about black history month um and today actually happens to be ruby bridges day and i saw this on facebook and i read about ruby bridges and i actually started crying it made me feel so um sad and touched and she's gone on to an incredibly successful life so her sort of the famous uh she was the subject of a famous painting called the problem we all live with by norman rockwell depicting bridges as she goes to school so she was the first um child to become integrated into an all-white school um so she was one of six black children in new orleans to pass the test that determined if they could go to an all-white school so they they sort of, uh, I guess, criminalized segregation, but it took people, unfortunately, a while to follow along. So she went to a school by herself, and all the white parents pulled their children out. So she was the only student at the school, and all the teachers left as well in protest. They wanted segregation to, con- to continue. Um, this was in 1960. Um And then every day she walked to school and crowds of people would shout things at her, a small child. Um, And it says she showed a lot of courage. She never cried. She didn't whimper. She just marched along like a little soldier. And we're all, we are all very, very proud of her. This is um, one of the U.S. Marshals that walked her to school. So they sent U.S. Marshals to walk her to school because people threatened to poison her. One woman put out like a coffin with a little black doll in it as a threat. Um, And 
Yeah, so Ruby Bridges, uh, she did get quite a bit of family support and community support. There was a child psychiatrist that saw her every week um, and to help her. And he wrote a school, or like a children's book called The Story of Ruby Bridges um, to acquaint other children with Bridges' story. And so um, their family suffered discrimination um, because they made the decision to send her to school um, her father lost his job. The grocery store the family shopped at would no longer let them shop there, and her grandparents, who were sharecroppers in Mississippi, were turned off their land. However, people, sort of other people tried to support them and gave her dad a job and, and so on. Um, and as society, thankfully, changed, um, she stayed in New Orleans, and actually her own children go to that school. Um, and she's chair of the Ruby Bridges Foundation, which she formed in 1999 to promote the values of tolerance, respect, and appreciation of all differences. Um, so, yeah, she just turned into this confident uh, woman, um, happy. Her picture here, she looks really happy. She stayed in her own community. Unfortunately, hardship hit her again when she lost her house during the uh, Hurricane Katrina. So definitely a shout out to her she's one of those heroines like Anne Frank who um like a, a a girl child who stands up in her way or Mala that Afghanistan girl who stands up for education in um in the Middle East so yeah I was just really moved by her story so there's a couple events ha uh, happening around town um, and actually, they mentioned it on Snow Wealth as well. It's a Black History Month fundraiser for the Downtown Eastside Senior Center. Um, and so it's the event is called Speaking of Freedom. And it's at St. Andrew's Wellesley Church, Friday, February 21st. At doors are at 645. It starts at 730. And there's a post-show reception if you pay $50 for the tickets. The regular tickets are 25 so a longtime Vancouver resident, Jack O'Dell, was a associate of Dr. Martin Luther King. And he will be uh, speaking along with Leon Bibb, Dr. Lee Brown, Robert Nahani, Harsha Walia, and others in inspirational readings followed by entertainment um, featuring old and new civil rights songs by different artists. Delana Gail Bowen, Joni Bai, Marcus Mosley, Will Sanders, and Michael Kreber. Participants will read quotes from King, Nelson Mandela, and other world leaders who are advocates of peace among the nation. So they're trying to well, raise awareness about Black History Month and also raise money for the Downtown Eastside Elders Resource Sanctuary, which will provide a safe and positive space that encourages physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness among the senior residents of the Downtown Eastside. The sanctuary will empower community seniors to invest in their daily quality of life through supportive programs and health-related initiatives. So that's great. And there's another event. It's actually in March, but we will be um, not airing the end of February. So I won't be able to talk about it until after I go see it. And I'm definitely going to see it. It's... Um, talking. It's a documentary about Central Africa, Blood in the Mobile... A film screening and talk. So I'm into crystals and rocks, and um, we talked about turquoise earlier. And I often go online and look at gems and rocks I'd like to buy. Um, and I'm aware of the problems they've had, um, particularly with diamonds um, in Africa and fueling different um, conflicts and violence. And so there's been some movement um, in the diamond industry through various accords and things to uh, protect workers and to make sure the sources of diamonds are conflict-free. Now, I'm sure there's major flaws in that. Um, but there is, uh, tanzanite is another uh, precious gem that I like to look into. And there's the biggest tanzanite company um, is is apparently dedicated to ethical practice in their labor and uh, so on. But I didn't know is that uh, phones, our own cell phones that we all use till the cows come home, use a kind of a, a crystal, a mineral, coltan, which I've never heard of. 
Um, so every single cell phone needs this. Um, and in Africa today, men, women, and children are forced at gunpoint to mine the mineral, uh, and which is then shipped to Western corporations to produce laptops, phone tablets, and a variety of other electronics. The profits obtained from the lucrative sales of coltan fund a violent war in the dramatic Democratic Republic of Congo. So that's, that's not good. So thankfully, someone made a documentary about it. Covers, uncovers the bloody realities of the production of our phones. Um, brings us incriminating footage of illegal Colton mines. Follows up with an investigation of Noikia, who can make no guarantee that they are not buying conflict minerals and therefore financing the war in the Congo. So there's going to be a good talk after by Hamish Stewart, a third-year law student, and Dr. Edna Brophy, an assistant professor of communications at SFU. So I'm definitely going to check this out uh, as someone who's interested in, in rocks. This is the kind of thing you don't want to think about, but it's happening. So, um, yeah, and check out that the other event that I just talked about, um, the fundraiser for the Downtown Eastside Seniors Resource Center. And I've been thinking a lot about Nelson Mandela. I saw um, that film, Nelson Mandela. It was really well done. And just thinking about his uh, peacemaking values and his ability to step up to the plate of the people that had oppressed him um, and graciously kind of took a step forward even when he had every right to be so angry and thinking about how strongly I feel about what people are doing to the environment and just everywhere you look there's just bad news about people hurting each other and hatred and intolerance and we're just destroying our environment and uh, I don't you know I don't know if I have it in myself to be uh, Nelson Mandela like in um but i don't know what other way is there how do you handle like if you think about the distress you see in the world or the environmental erosion like how do you handle that emotionally i guess arlene it's i think it's difficult um for me and there's some examples you could say um like Example, I'll just give it quickly. Um, okay, the, these coho salmon returned to the Highland Creek over where nearby where I live in Surrey, and mm-hmm. um, and I noticed a lot of people. A few pe- people, I mean, they put throw trash into the the creek, and I've even walked in there to see to see how the, it works goes. And when you get to the King George, it's doing none of the well, the fries, the smolts didn't want to live in there. And it was kind of had a white film and it wasn't clean. But they lived more near this part where I live in Surrey and a lot of the little smolts were there. And it, it looks clean, the water there, but it really isn't clean because you can see uh, the suds, you know, that's phosphates mm-hmm. and all and all that. And, and I thought, you know, how do the coho... They drink that, and the little ones, and, and the big coho. They came back this year again. Came back in 2012. Came back 2013. And so I was thinking that, and, and then I seen cigarette butts and the and all kinds of stuff in the creek. And I thought, I, I don't even know if people are aware about that, about over care. Mm-hmm. And that bothers me a lot. Seeing that about the salmon. Mm-hmm. Maybe they won't return because of that pollution. It is pollution. Yeah. So, and so, th- yeah, it does bother me. And and there and quickly the when was it? Two years ago, I think, or twenty eleven. Um, there was there was there was supposed to be this uranium mining in the Grand Canyon, but it was stopped by Obama. He put a twenty year moratorium on it, and Two First Nations people live in the Grand Canyon, and that you know uranium mining creates uh, cancer. So it's as if people don't care that these people live there, and, and then the water, and then people drink the water. Yeah. So hmm. Colorado River. Yeah. So. I guess it's that yeah. like 
it, it seems like people don't care. Sometimes people are hateful. Sometimes people are greedy. I don't know, but I think I'm just coming to the understanding. I mean, it's you hear it all the time, and it's almost to the point of cliche, but we are all one. And so, you know, as we we can't do one thing without affecting others. So if we see ourselves as one, then it won't be as easy to be, like, ignoring the plight of others or ignoring the environment. Like, you know, we... But hopefully, you know, there'll be positive change. Sometimes it takes maybe our society to hit a rock bottom before before change happens, like with the environment, I guess. But, you know, then again, thinking of how awful that Ruby Bridges story is, yet it's 50 years later. You mm -hmm. know, we have an African-American president in the mm -hmm. U.S. So things changed a lot, but it took people to break those barriers. So I just hope people take better care of the environment. And like you said, the salmon are at risk. A lot of our animals are at risk. And the missing women. Yeah. And, um, missing and murdered women. Yeah. And those, it took a long time for the police to even act upon the missing and murdered women. And that I find a little, that's not good. Yeah. And, but those women did not give up. They kept on asking and asking yeah. about it. Yeah, so it happened all up and down the West Coast. Is that right? And even there's a highway of tears, yeah. too. That I think it's all over Canada. And mm -hmm. I've heard about different areas in in North America and, like, in Mexico, like in Juarez, mm -hmm. where the rate of women getting murdered, too, is not good. It's bad. Mm -hmm. And have you heard of it? I in in Mexico? In Juarez. Uh, no, I haven't. But it's uh, not really. It's horrible. I know a little bit mm. about um, what happened here with the Picton case. Mm. So I don't know if you were in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, they put out this huge report, which I'm always meant to do a little radio mm. thing on. But uh, yeah, he's, I mean, anyways, he's away for the rest of his life. So that's where he shall remain. But he didn't commit all of those murders, um, obviously. So yeah violence against women so that's all the more reason to tune in on international women's day march 8th um and maybe we can talk about that some more but i do need to kind of oh my god uh talk a little bit about the play that i saw last night and then hopefully you'll stay tuned we've got a b episode of blank verse coming up so we won't be here february 26th we will be uh, broadcasting live from the study and go abroad fair I'll be there between 5 and 6 broadcasting. And uh, then March 5th is our fun drive show. We're going to have a fun party in the studio where we'll be uh, raising funds for the station. But last night I went to see the drummer girl at the Fire Hall Art Center. And when you were talking about the women um, playing drums mm -hmm. and, and singing, mm -hmm. um, she was a drummer. And all day I was like, oh, God, I have to go to this play, and I'm really dreading it. And then I was like, well, if I'm really dreading it, I'll probably like it. And then I was like, well, if I'm dreading it, and I think I'll like it, then I probably won't like it. But actually, she came out. Um, the first thing she just won me over right away, she came out playing kind of an ancient drum, and she had slides in the back of ancient Greek women, saying women were the original drummers. Um, and then sort of they lost that to men and there's not many women drummers uh certainly not of her caliber she uh you know this and i laugh too because when i was a child and time to join band in school i said mom should i play the flute or the drums mom's like oh to play the flute so i was like okay and when she said the exact same thing to her parents and they were like play the drums and they bought her drums and they took her to lessons and she loved it so much and she totally mastered um the drums and she wanted so badly a career in drumming that she mastered every style of drumming so it would just maximize her opportunities so she's like a jazz drummer she can play rock music she plays in the vancouver opera orchestra doing um percussion and she's played a new age band so she's just she's literally oozing rhythm and she can make amazing beats out of anything so it's really a great story um she kind of puts together little chunks of her story like as a child and then 
you know, her first new age band. So then, and then she incorporates live music into that and, and slides and she changes costume right there. So she kind of strips down to this kind of leotard thing and then puts on a new costume, kind of representing a new chapter in, in her life. And so, um, I really enjoyed it. And it was funny at times, really great music. She had a terrific band. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was just laughing though, because it is kind of like, it's not something maybe like a young hipster would like, like, I think is best appreciated by someone like myself, kind of 40 something or older, just, just the type of humor and her era growing up in the seventies and stuff. Um, but it's well worth it. It's on at the fire hall. It started on the 12th. That's going to the 22nd. Uh, so do check out the firehallartcenter.ca for details. Um, and maybe I'll write up a review for CITR.ca because uh, I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, it's really worth seeing. So that's it for our show. I have to move on to um, blank verse. But let's play a song to to see us out. 